Well, good morning. So last week, Mother's Day. It was good for the moms to be in the house last week. It was good to see everyone last week. And it's always great to see everyone each week, but, you know, last week on Mother's Day, we kind of looked a little bit in the book of Colossians on how we as individuals and as we as church members um, should look after not only the women in our lives, but the women inside the church and how we should be there for the ladies in the house. Well, well, this week we're going to dig a little deeper into Colossians chapter 3. Um, I want to dig a little deeper into what it actually says. <coughs> so, but before we get to that, um, I read a quote this week that really grabbed my attention. And what I want to do is I want to read it to you. And it says, the Christian is not ruined by living in the world, but by the world living in them. Let me say that again. The Christian is not ruined by living in the world, but by the world living in them. And you think about no other time in the history of, of life do we see this is really happening. We see this in real life. You, you see people on the street and, and you start to wonder, <clears throat> is there really a difference between being a Christian and being a non-Christian? Is there really a difference between going to church and not going to church? Because when you go inside some churches, you think you're in the world. You talk to some Christians and you think they're just someone else from the world. And I think a lot of times people who call themselves Christians, if you went to a party or to a club or to a baseball game or some type of sporting event, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between someone who's a Christian and a non-Christian because it's become so muddied up and so blurred and this whole progressive Christianity and everything else that's going on, it's kind of muddying up the waters on what Christianity really is and, and what it makes. And, and, and it, I think it's really one of the reasons why people look at becoming a Christian and they're so skeptical about it. Like, why should I be a Christian? If I see Christians doing exactly what they do in the world and I'm living in the world, what difference should it make if I accept Jesus or not? And unfortunately, that's what culture's saying. That's what's happening in life today. And we as Christians are failing on what we're called to do. We're failing on the life that we're supposed to have. And it's interesting because we'll have these real churchy words for somebody. You know, well, amen, my brother. Well, you know, I'm working out my salvation. Well, I'm doing this. And we have all these churchy words that mean absolutely nothing. Because all they are is words that are coming out of our mouth and there's no actions that come with them. And we continue to just try and live this life and understand that, you know, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. But I think a lot of people get that wrong because we're in the world, so we figure, hey, I'm here. I might as well hang out and be like them, right? Now, now understand that Jesus hung out with sinners. There's nothing wrong with hanging out with sinners. But Jesus did not sin and did not do what the sinners were doing. A lot of times we get caught up and we'll hang out, and then we'll start doing exactly what the world is expecting us to do. And in this scripture today, 
There's one part of the scripture that really jumped out at me where the Apostle Paul says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Which means the first thing we got to put to death is that me mentality. You got to put to death yourself, you know, me, myself, and I. It's all about me. It's just me, me, me. Hey, I appreciate what you were doing, but you know, let me talk about me. And unfortunately, in society, that's exactly what society is. It's a me, myself, and I society. And we get so caught up in it. But, but in order to be a Christ follower, we need to put away that earthly nature. And I will tell you, it's easier said than done. But it is what we're called to do. And what we need to do is, as we focus as the body of Christ, I think we have to, you know, as believers, we should be united we should be united going in the same direction and understand that unity in the church comes when the people of the church view each other as family and act on that behalf. So the person sitting next to you, well, in most cases it might be a spouse, so look the other direction. The person sitting in this church is your brother, they're your sister, they're your family. But we don't treat them like family. We treat them like, hey, I'll see you on Sunday. We need to go beyond that because unity in the church comes when people view each other as family. The other thing I think that to, to make be different than the world and, and to be different Christians, we've got to uh, determine how you or your family can actually better serve people within your church family. Now think about that. How can you better serve people in your church family? And then, of course, you know, we got to look at it. As we look at that, we're going to have to repent over it and let the Holy Spirit guide us into what we should do to become more holy and to be more like Christ. And it's a process. It doesn't come easy. But as Christ followers, we should be about two things, right? Jesus and his word. That's what we should be about. And if we're all about Jesus and his word, guess what? We're all focused on the same thing. We're all going in the same direction, which means we will be unified and come together as one, as one body and as one family. A single, big, messed up, jacked up family. But we'd be here together. So with that being said, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. Um, you can go ahead and grab one there, or as always, it'll be up here on the screen. So, <coughs> with that being said, <clears throat> let's dig into God's Word. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden within Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in his glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. 
But now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, you're also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell among, richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Heavenly Father, as, as we dig into your word today, Lord, Lord, we ask that you open up our hearts to receive what it is you have us to receive. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, that we as a Christian will seek you with everything. Lord, that we will open up our eyes and walk the path that you lay before us. And Lord, that you will be glorified through everything that we do. Make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So unity comes, like I said, when people's priorities are all on the same thing. When we're going in the same direction, when we're focused on the same thing. And even in Matthew 19, 6, it says this. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And this reminds the Christian that what God puts together we shouldn't separate. And yes, this is pertaining to marriage. It is a marriage verse, but underlying inside of it, you got to understand that the family, your family and the church and the ministry of the church are very closely linked to each other. You know, so, so we are put together, we are linked and and I think it's interesting. I was reading it, and Pastor David Sunday actually said this. God had a design for your family and ministry so that faithfulness in the family enhances faithfulness in the church. And faithfulness in the church enhances faithfulness in the family. They go hand in hand. Even in 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, But if everyone does not provide for his relatives... And especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And even in Matthew 12, 50, Jesus is very clear. He says, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So which family is more important? Your church family or your nuclear family? Now, I don't want you to feel too bad as you sit there and say, well, my family. Because most people do say that. Most people will say their family is more important than their church family. 
And, and it's not surprising, you know, because we look at our family, we look at that nuclear nucleus of our family, and, and we, we feel like that this is the most important in our life. And I think what's interesting in, the, in this Western culture or the American culture, Christians will actually separate their loyalty to God and their loyalty to the church family. Now think about that. I can be loyal to God, but I don't need to be loyal to my church family. How can you be loyal to God, but not be loyal to God's believers? If we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but people will actually do that and say, well, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to do whatever he calls me to do, and I don't care about these people sitting next to me in the pew. I don't care about these other believers who are being martyred around the world. They're, they're, they're not part of my family, so they think they can actually separate the two. And third century theologian Cyprian actually said this, He who does not have the church for his mother cannot have God for his father. In other words, you can't have God without the church. And guess what? You can't have the church without God. They go hand in hand with each other. So, so you can't be saying, well, I have God, but I can't have the church because they go together. It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and banana. See, some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> They've got to go together. You know? And so you can't have one without the other. You can't have God without the church and you can't have church without God. We've got to have both in order to move forward. And Ephesians 2, 18 and 19 actually say this. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We're members of the house of God. So therefore, if the church is God's household, we know that he is all of our Father. He is the one in charge. And understand that human family is meant to be a small model of how the family of God actually works. As, as we go through this life and we have these families, it's, it's a small model. And, and Christians are called to treat each other as if every one of us are brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Think about that. Do you treat others as your brother and sister? Some of us don't even treat our own biological brothers and sisters good. But we have brothers and sisters, and we're here. And think about, before the Industrial Revolution, what a household looked like. Before the Industrial Revolution, you had a multi-generational house. You had all kinds of family members together. It was the model of what the church should look like. You had small kids all the way to... Grandmas and grandpas, or great-grandmas and grandpas, all in the same house. And, and that's a model of what the church should look like. And, and unfortunately, through time, we've gotten away from that. We, you know, it, people, oh, well, my church is this, or my church is that. Well, church is where the body of Christ comes together. Church is where the family of God come together and meet. It's not about age. It's not about any of that. And, and that family model that we have in the early multi-generational era should be exactly what we have today. 
Harriet Connor in the Gospel Coalition actually said this, Natural family relationships provide the model for relationships within the family of God. When Jesus announced that whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother, he was using well-known categories in relationships. So even Jesus went with this. And, and understand, knowing that nuclear family, um, it meant a model for the church, so we need to change our perspective on what a church family really is. We need to understand that the church family is so much bigger than just our family that comes to church together. You know, our family is the people sitting next to us. Our family is the people who join us for church online. Those are the people who are real family. And understand that most families, rightly so, are interested um, in how the church can help them raise a family. Think about when you had kids. You thought about, man, I got to bring my kids to church. They got to come to church so that they can learn about Jesus and, and you know, they got to go to Sunday school. And so everything was about bringing them to church. But bringing them to church is only half the battle because what do you do beyond that? What do you do beyond just coming to church on Sunday? And, and see, and, and unfortunately, ultimately, a lot of families come and say, well, what can the church do for me? Instead of what can I do for the church? Because that's actually what we're called to do. How can the, instead of how can the church serve me, how can I serve the church? How can I serve the family of Christ? How can I serve my brothers and sisters who may be going through something? How can I serve them and help them? We would do the same thing for our nuclear family. If one of our family members not doing well, we're, we're there. Hey, how can I help you? What can I do to assist you? Well, what about your brother and sister in Christ who you spend time with, and as you serve them, you build that family, you build that community with inside the church? Because that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be united all for two things, Jesus and his word. And if we're looking to Jesus and his word and we're moving in that direction, we should all be unified and looking out for each other. I was reading a book, it's the name of the book is When the Church Was a Family, Recapturing Jesus' Vision of Authentic Christian Community. And the author, Joseph Hellerman, actually said this, Jesus' relationship priorities help us understand that the church, the family is God, is not here to serve the interests of our family, its preferences, desires, and needs. Rather, our families are here to serve the family of God. When's the last time you looked at it that way? Instead of what can the church do for me, asking what can you do for the church? You see, serving brings unity to the body of Christ as we serve others, as we reach out into the community, whether it's through, you know, helping in the clothes closet, serving with the brown box ministry, going out and you know, doing a beach cleanup. It can go beyond that to the point of you're serving someone you know, someone, hey, they, they need help getting their yard taken care of. They've got some work that they need done at their house. 
reaching out to someone who's in that multi-generational stage and get away from our own peer groups. You know, you just don't hang out with people your own age. You start looking at other people and then start asking, well, wait, how can I serve this person? Maybe you're an electrician. They got a little, a couple outlets they need changed out. Maybe you got some spare time and go cut their grass or, or maybe do some work on their house that may need to, you know, maybe they got some shingles that fell off or something. Maybe they got a fence that needs to be re-put up. But see, we don't always look at it like that. Oh, they can go hire someone to do that. Man, I ain't got time. Man, you know my Saturdays and Sundays are my day off. But we need to look to each other and how we can serve each other because as we're serving each other, we're actually showing the love of Christ to one another. It's not just for the adults in the house either. Everyone who's a member of the church is called to serve to the best of your abilities. Every one of us is called to serve. Romans 12, 10, 11 says this, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be, be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. And in 13, verse 13, it says, Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Now, Paul just wasn't writing to the Roman church leaders. He, he wasn't just writing to to those who do Christian ministry full-time. He was writing to everyone. He was writing to every believer in Jesus Christ. See, there's no such thing as a non-serving member in the body. Every one of us can serve one way or the other. Serving's much more than being a part of the greeting team. It's much more than being part of worship team or the tech team. Serving can be simply writing a letter of encouragement to somebody. It can be as simple as putting a card in the mail, letting someone know, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Serving doesn't have to be this upfront, out in the open kind of thing. We can serve each other in so many different ways. But we have to be looking in the same direction to serve one another. We have to look at each other as we're brothers and sisters. And continue to walk that path. And you know what? Like I said, we got brothers and sisters we may not talk to. But we got brothers and sisters inside the church that are just as messed up as your family, brother and sisters. Be willing to look past that and do what God calls us to do. Serving one another is way more important than not serving each other at all. Remember that model church, that intergenerational family. In 2011, Barna actually did a survey, and they were looking at millennials, and by 2011, 59% of all millennials had already left the church. They had left the church already, they were gone, and, and when they interviewed some of the millennials that were still there, they asked, well, how come you're still in church? And believe it or not, they were still in church because of a connection with a multi-generational person. Someone in a different age group had befriended them, and because they had that friendship, they continued to stay in the church because they felt like they were loved, they felt like they belonged, and they weren't considered an outsider. 
And a lot of times you get people coming inside a church and they look and, and we, you know, we're real good at being friendly when they first, hey, welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. And then what about the next week they come back? Hi. Third week they come back. Hey. Fourth week they come back. We just treat them like they're our stepbrother or sister. Yep, you're here. Glad to see you. We need to take that time to get to know each other. Take that time to get involved in each other's life. Take that time to ask someone if they need something on how you can serve somebody else. You may be surprised how God will put the right person in front of you that when you say, hey, you know, nice to meet you, we've never really talked, and you may find out a gift or a talent that you have is exactly what that person needs in their life right then and there. And then you can take that time and serve that person and be like Jesus with skin on to a brother or sister in Christ. We need to do better at what we're called to do. I think it's interesting when they talk about serving. In most cases, you get one volunteer out of every five people in the church. So if we got 50 people, we generally have 10 people who will volunteer to do something in the church. But what I find so interesting about it is there's three things that people serve do better than anyone who doesn't serve. The first thing they do is they attend more frequently. Now think about that. There, someone who's serving in the church isn't going to show up just one Sunday a month. They're not going to show up just two Sundays a month. They're going to be at church generally every Sunday they're going to be at church. Every Wednesday they're going to be at church. They're going to be at church whenever they can be here. And the reason why is because they get that joy out of serving. And they're here because they want to serve somebody else. And so they will generally attend church more often. The next thing they will do is they'll actually invite more people. They'll invite more people because of the fact that they're in contact with people all the time. So they're in contact. They have a relationship with the body of Christ. So then they want other people, hey, man, you need to come check this out. They'll actually invite more people to church. So they attend more often. They invite more people to church. And third thing they do is they give more. They give more of their time. They give more of their talents. They give more of their entire life because they're connected with the body of Christ. You see, when you serve and you're serving somebody else, anything that may be going on in your life seems to go away. Because when you're serving and you're giving back, it feels so much better than sitting back going, woe's me. It's too easy to sit back and woe's me, I can't do this, I can't do that. Instead, take a step forward. Take a step forward and seek to serve someone this week. Look and see what you can do and, and understand ultimately people who volunteer reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ than people who don't volunteer. And you don't have to be an outgoing person to do it. You have people volunteering in the sound booth that y'all don't ever even see. But yet, even though they're behind the scenes, behind the camera, the people at church online don't see them, they're the ones at church online are back there communicating with in the chat. So they're still communicating, they're still serving the body of Christ, the family. They're serving our brothers and sisters who join us via church online. 
and understand that a great way to get involved and a great way to have unity is to serve somebody else. And honestly, think about it. When is the last time you actually served somebody else? Now, if you're a waiter or a waitress, that don't count. Because if you're a waiter or a waitress, you're going to be like, last night. When did you honestly serve somebody else? And, and so the question, do you serve others within the church? Or do you just come and spend your hour and 15 minutes? Do you just come for that hour and 15 minutes? I got my Jesus on this week, check. And then you move on. Look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to serve each other. According to today's scripture, that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve each other. And unfortunately, you know what happens is we get that battle, that old self and our new self. You know that old self, me, myself, and I? I just want to serve me, myself, and I. I just want to do what I want to do. And, and sorry, hey, Pastor Ken, I know you got this going on, but man, I'm going to do me. I'm just going to do me over here by myself, and, and, and someone else will do that. I know someone else will do it. You really don't need me. Do you say the same thing to God? When God calls you to be obedient and go do something, do you tell God, oh, I'm just going to do me? Or are you obedient and take them steps and do what he calls you to do? And a lot of times we'll get caught that same way. Well, God, I'm kind of busy. Well, God, I don't have time. Understand whether it's within his will, he's going to get it done anyways. But wouldn't you rather be the person that God uses than him using somebody else? Well, wouldn't you rather be the person who serves instead of letting somebody else? It's way too easy to just push it and let someone else take it. We're told to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds on things above. So where are you looking? Where are you looking in your life? See, psychologists going to tell you to look within. Oh, just look within and you'll find it. You, you know, you just got to look within and see what me, myself, and I want. An opportunist is going to tell you to look around. Oh, look around. There's got to be something you can do. Just look around. There's plenty. <coughs> An optimist will tell you to look ahead. Well, hey, just look ahead. Just keep on going. You got this. Just keep on going. They're going to be so optimistic. A pessimist going to tell you, look out. They're coming to get you. Where are you looking? God tells you to look where? Look up. God tells you to set your minds on the things above. So where are you looking? Are you looking around? If we look up and seek him in all that we do, everything else comes so much easier. Every relationship we have becomes an easier relationship because our focus remains on Jesus. Our focus remains on Him. It remains on His Word. And as we continue this sanctification to do what? Become more like Jesus? Jesus came to serve, not be served. How come we all want to be served? 
You know, being an American Christian, that's what, kind of what we want. We kind of got it easy. We don't worry about being persecuted. You have Christians dying for their faith, willing to die for their faith willingly each and every day. I'm currently doing a, a devotional that's written by a missionary in Somalia. Talk about putting your life on the line every single day. Puts their life on the line to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We won't walk next door and ask someone if they need help. But we'll quickly call ourselves Christians. When at the beginning of this, I talked about how blurred it is between the world and being a Christian. Here in the United States, it is really blurred. Because you can't tell who's a Christian or who's not. And there's so many people that will say, oh, I'm a Christian. What church do you go to? I don't need church. You can't have church without God, and you can't have God without church. You can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand. So we got to continue to seek the things from above. Putting our old self away. Don't live by the world's standards, but live by God's standards which is a whole lot harder to do. Heck, the world's standards are pretty easy. I mean, you go out in the world, sin is all around us. Sin, every place you go inside the world, it's all on that outward side. The problem is our sinful nature that's inside allows that sin to come in from our heart. And we got to be able to change that from the inside out. Get that sin nature outside of us, so that we can then stay away from that sin that's in the world. Yes, we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. It's interesting. Christianity is the only religion that will tell you in order to reach the world, you have to leave the world. You have to leave your old self. You have to leave them worldly standards. You have to leave the person that you used to be to become that old self, to get, become that new self, to become that new creation and be what God called you to be. Be the person God called you to be. So you literally have to leave someplace to get to where you've got to be at. So all them who, well, I'm waiting on the Lord while sitting in a lazy boy, you ain't waiting on the Lord sitting down not moving. When you're waiting on the Lord, it requires action. You still continue to move. You still continue to serve. Continue to do what he calls you to do while you walk in that path. And now you want to talk, take off the old and put on the new? Verses 12 through 15 tell us exactly what we should do. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Imagine if we did that as individuals. What if we did that as a church? What if we put all of that on as a church? We showed kindness. We showed love. We showed unity. We had compassion for other people. Would we look a little different than the world? 
we'd look a whole lot different, wouldn't we? How could you impact your families? How would you be able to impact your coworkers or even your community by being what God called us to do, doing his work, taking off that old self and putting on this new self? Our old self is influenced by the world. Our new self should influence the world. Are you an influencer or an influencee? We're called to be game changers. We're called to change where we're at. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And it's interesting, you know, like I said, in order to reach the world, we have to leave it. We have to rise above the world's standards. And here's the one thing I think is as you think, as you think about this and, you know, as you're looking at the heavenly things and looking at what God calls you to do, I think as we do that and we get closer and closer to Jesus, as we look back, we see how sinful lives are. We see how corrupt the world is. We see the sin in each other. We see the sin that in ourselves. But I think he gives us that opportunity as we're seeking what's above to clean up our past. To kind of clean up some stuff that our old self did. Try and make some things right as we put on this new self and go forward. And if anything, it should give you a heart and a passion for those who don't know Jesus. Think of where you were before you met Jesus. And some of you were in dark places. There are people there today in them same dark places that you came out of that don't know Jesus. There are people who are still doing things that you may have used to done in your life that still don't know Jesus. You've come through that for a reason. Now you need to go back and serve. Go back and be with them. Treat them as family and bring that light into that darkness. Be who he called you to be. This past Wednesday night, we talked on Wednesday night about the world today is a Romans 1 world. And if you don't know what a Romans 1 world is, read Romans chapter 1. And when you read Romans chapter 1, you're going to be like, oh, oh my God, that, that's happening today. Because it's exactly what the world is. But then read Romans 12. Romans 12 is what we should be as Christ followers. What we should be doing. It goes right along here with Colossians 3. How we should be serving. What we should put on getting rid of the old self and putting on the new. Romans 12 ministry, if you take time to read it, is exactly how we should be dealing with the world today. Now next week I'm going to be preaching on Romans, some of Romans 12. So come back. I encourage you to come back for that. Because as, as we close out this series next week, you know, we've talking about it's salvation's just the beginning. And it is just the beginning of it all because without us being the body of Christ, without us being unified for Jesus, does salvation really matter? Does salvation really matter if we don't do what God calls us to do? If we're not trying to be more like Jesus each and every day, 
Did salvation matter? Did it change our life? Did it make a change in us? If not, did you really accept Jesus? And that's a bold question to ask. It's only two people who ever know. You and him. Verse 17 tells us, And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to challenge you this week. Do that. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. When's the last time you did everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? Honestly do everything you do throughout this week. Do it for him. Do it to glorify his name. Everything you do, do it for Jesus. Start serving others and look to say, how can I be Jesus with skin on to everyone I come in contact with? Live your life for Jesus. Live your life according to God's word. Being obedient to what it says. Be compassionate. Be loving. Even when it don't feel like a loving time, be loving. Take time this week to serve somebody else. Take time this week to really put on that new nature, that new person that we've been called to be. Because remember, unity in the church comes when the people of the church view each other as family. Is that person next to you family? They are in God's eyes. They're your brother and sister in Christ. Honestly take time to serve somebody this week. Serve someone else within the church. Serve someone within your own family that don't know Jesus. Be Jesus with skin on in all that you do this week and do it all for him. Let's be the church that Jesus called us to be, not the church that we as individuals want it to be. Because what we want it to be and what Jesus wants it to be is generally two different things. Remember, the church of Christ is bigger than these four walls. The kingdom of heaven is what's at stake. FBC Lantana is not at stake. The kingdom of heaven is what's at stake. People will spend eternity in hell because we didn't do what God called us to do. So eternity is at stake for people. Make a difference in own lives this week, amen? Be the change to affect change in this world. Be it that if someone comes up to you, they're going to know you're a Christian. They're going to know you're a Christian by the way you walk, the way you talk, and not being a judgmental Christian, a Christian who shows love. Love someone, be compassionate to someone this week, and serve someone this week. Amen? And maybe you're sitting here saying, well, that's good, Pastor, but I don't know Jesus. I don't have a personal relationship with him. I haven't accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and that's okay. Because God's word says today is the day of salvation. And if you're waiting to get your life together, you're going to be waiting a long time. Look around the people inside this room who are Christ followers, been following Christ. Guess what? They still ain't got their life together. 
If we had our life together, would I have to preach on being unified? Would I have to preach on doing what God's Word says? No, because we need it each and every day. Because we, God's Word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Every one of us falls short, including me. But God showed His love for us that while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That's the beginning part of, I've accepted Jesus, now I've got to walk in his path and, and welcome all your messed up, jacked up brothers and sisters in Christ. We're just as messed up and jacked up as your own family. Only difference is now we're going to be the ones who change because he's going to change us. He's going to change us from the inside out and we're going to start walking different, talking different, and being different than what the world calls for. Be who Jesus called you to be this week. And maybe you're sitting there and saying, well, pastor, that's me. Man, you can't tell me from a non-Christian. You, can, you know I come to church. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to do what God's Word says, but man, you never know me from a non-Christian in the world. Maybe today's the day you need to just come up here on this altar and say, God, I'm here to serve you. Maybe make that recommitment to, to your walk with Him. <clears throat> we'll just ask for that forgiveness. Ask for that strength to move forward. Be bold and say, God, I want to be the person you called me to be. And open up your heart and your eyes and your ears and watch him do amazing things this week. I don't know what it is he does, and you do. You know what the Holy Spirit grabs you for doing in your life? Listen to what the Holy Spirit's guiding you to do. If it's making you turn from your past, that's good. You're putting on that new self. That's what we're called to do. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we come to you this morning and, Lord, a lot of times we're battling our old self. We're battling the old me. Lord, sometimes the old me is so much easier. Lord, it's so easy to just slip back in, into the old ways. Lord, sometimes it's just easier to be my old self instead of being who you called me to be. And Lord, I know that's the prayer of a lot of people. But Lord, I ask that you open up the hearts of those who hear my voice. Lord, that they will seek you with their whole heart. Lord, that they will die to their old self and put on that new self. That they will put on that compassion, that they will most importantly put on love. Love for one another, Lord. And that we will be unified as we seek you. And Lord, that we will serve others in everything that we do. And Lord, that we will truly see each other 
as brothers and sisters in you. And Lord, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.